It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshals online at mosquitomarshals.com. Mosquito Marshals, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshals. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. Both right for the Ole Miss Spirit. OMSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Today's guest on Talk of Champions coming to you on the Modern Woman phone line is Brandon Marcello. My good buddy, national college football reporter for 247 Sports. Coming up about 15 minutes. But some stuff happened on Tuesday, Rippy. Yes, it did, because there's never, as much as we complained about the pandemic, uh, Ole Miss is never really dull. So, like, things always tend to pop up. You know, I didn't have much, when I had to kind of run the run the ship uh, head on as like for a podcast, I thought, like, three, four weeks in this pandemic, I was going to be like, great, I just literally can't have a show. But that was never the case. There's always something going on. It's the weirdest thing. It doesn't matter what you're doing on what day. In any given month, at any time, Ole Miss can come with some news. And on Tuesday, as I'm putting together a desk, that's how you know you're a dad. When your Tuesday afternoon is spent <laughs> putting together a desk. 
but I'm putting together a desk. I'm almost done. And what happens? Blake Henson is apparently in the transfer portal. And I'll be honest, I was surprised initially. You and I talked a little bit uh, via text when it happened. I've reached out to different sourcing with Ole Miss basketball. I'm getting a better understanding about why he made this decision. But did it surprise you? Yeah, I think it's one of those things like we were talking about a second ago. Like, it's like surprising the first time you read it because, you know, two-year starter and it's kind of like, whoa, like where'd that come from? Was it really – because you could look at this team and depending on how many pieces they had, you could you could read the writing on the wall of who was and was going not going to be there. And barring something unforeseen, Blake Henson wasn't one of those guys. But then they complete the roster. He had a tough sophomore year. Uh, which wasn't always his, like, wasn't all his fault, right? Like, he had the blood abnormality thing that cost him most of the offseason, part of the regular season, just never got in the swing of things after a promising freshman year. Roster gets deeper, but as a two-year starter, do you really want to compete for possibly bench minutes? Because you and I kind of have a starting five in mind, and he's not on it. I'm not saying he wouldn't have ended up being one, but it's probably not on, it's definitely not on mine. It's probably not on yours, right? So if you start for two years, do you really want to come back with a deeper roster and compete for what could be bench minutes and definitely not as many shots as he probably would be accustomed to? Because we all know he loves the, uh, he loves the old perimeter jump shot early in the shot clock. But in all seriousness, that, that's kind of, kind of how I process the whole thing. Me too, because like you did once Tyler Keenan and Anthony Servidio were drafted, and did a projected starting lineup for Ole Miss baseball next year. I did a projected starting lineup for Ole Miss basketball after Romello White signed. And in that starting lineup was not Blake Henson, was not K.J. Buffett. But for me, I was taking it as a sign of strength of what this team could be. And maybe Blake responding to the coaching of asking him to do more than settle for perimeter shots. Because that's what he's been. He's been a volume perimeter shooter, even though he hasn't been particularly efficient. They found something, a little bit of something, playing him at the four towards the end of last year because he defended the four well, did not defend the three well. So if you take that and you put it forth towards next year, he's probably going to play more four than three. That's where he was successful. Forced him to go to the rim a little bit more, but not enough. Not enough to justify putting him in the starting lineup because Hadim C at the five with Romello at the four, I think is a little bit more scary for opposing lineups than Blake at the four, Blake in the starting lineup. And KJ coming off the bench, playing the four or the five, that's a valuable thing. He can't stay on the floor because of foul trouble. When he's in spurts and when he's at his best, he's really good. It still was surprising because of how much Blake Henson has been talked up. And again, he's a two-year starter. The blood abnormality set him back. He got absolutely no time from June until, I want to say September, October, because of the blood abnormality. And basically, his first basketball action really kicked up when he came back and started playing after he missed those first four games. And he was never quite himself. It's still shocking, but you had heard that he went to the coaches in March or something like that. What's the story there? With the way they were trying to reshape this roster, you can't imagine like more shots for Blake Henson was in the plan once they kind of had an idea of who they were going after and who they might land was kind of what I was getting at there. If you're wanting to go somewhere to get more shots, I get it. If you want more minutes, I get it. I'm all pro player. I'm completely pro player as far as controlling your own destiny, doing what you want to do. Players having agency to be able to move if they want to move. So I'm not going to knock Blake for making a decision that is in his personal best interest if that's how he feels. Having said that, looking at it, it's kind of your own fault that they had to recruit to potentially not necessarily replace you, but at least give you competition. I love Blake as a person. I think he's a good dude. Also a very stubborn basketball player. And when they're telling you, we need you to do this, we need you to drive, we need you to do other things to impact winning, we need you to rebound, defend at an elite level, a high level even, and you're not doing those things, you're continuing to settle for perimeter shots, that's a problem. And that's how you get taken off the floor. That's how you get your coach recruiting to potentially replace you, which is essentially what just happened. It's going to be a very different type of year for Ole Miss basketball because Kermit Davis built a ton of goodwill, and justifiably so, by leading Ole Miss to the NCAA tournament for the first time in four years, three years, whatever it was, and the eighth time in school history in year one. In year two, it was such a bummer for people that now 
you go into it with that expectation of being a postseason contender again, but also with the transfers you landed, specifically Romello White, now that's going to be ratcheted up even more. Their bench is now shorter, and that's a problem. That was the problem last year. That was yeah. a huge problem with them last year. And that's but, why it hurts. Absolutely. You said a lot that I agree with there. And just like, I guess for starters, jumping back to the, the Henson thing for a second, you mentioned him not getting much basketball activity. But if I remember right, and of course, us covering the basketball season seems like ages ago at this point. But I remember he was really only doing the, even when he got to October and got back on the floor, it was pretty much non-contact until like a week or two he returned against Memphis, right? And yeah, that's not nothing, but as far as like actually kind of getting, I don't know, basketball shapes the right term, but kind of back in the groove of game action, like that's not an easy transition to make. And you talk about his improvement um, kind of just beyond a perimeter volume shooter. You figure a lot of that, even without a Canada trip and things like that, could be kind of hashed out in scrimmages and stuff in the offseason, and he just didn't have the luxury of that. And I had the same mindset that you had when doing the starting five and Henson and Buffett not being in it. You think that's a testament to the strength of the team, and you're not wrong for thinking it, but it's not really a natural thing to think, is Buffett and Henson going to want to do that? And I think that's probably where the surprising element of this comes from. And then lastly, you were talking about the expectations thing, which I find fascinating because, yeah, they kind of fell off a lot last year. But do you think how much of the expectation thing do you think is Ole Miss fans not being used to having a good basketball? I say good. That's not fair to AK. A kind of NCAA tournament regular basketball program and it happening once and then expecting it to happen almost every year when in reality there's very few programs in the country who achieve that. Absolutely right. And I think it goes back to spoiled success under Andy Kennedy. So you, you can certainly criticize AK for a lack of NCAA tournament appearances. We've been through this. But they over never and over stunk. Again. They never stunk. The only times they really stunk is when something awful happened, like when they had all those injuries. I think Zach Graham and Chris Warren and Trevor Gaskins all got hurt in the same year. That's the only time that they weren't competitive. And to be honest with you, if you want to go back and look at it, with what is now the criteria to get into the NCAA tournament. Andy Kennedy would have made it probably three or four more times. So <laughs> He would appreciate you saying that too, but it is so true. It's true. And I'm not being a defender of Andy Kennedy or saying this, that, or the other. It's just That's just the facts of life with it. But you're absolutely right. I think fans got a little spoiled by the fact that every year, Ole Miss was competitive. Yes, they were frustrated if they didn't make the NCAA tournament, but Ole Miss was competitive. That's hard to swallow when you have a year like last year, which was just a complete and utter disappointment. You can't shake that. That's why you had such a drastic overhaul in the offseason. Now, here's something that's kind of interesting. Antavian Column entered the transfer portal a week ago, a week and a half ago. And that was expected. Bryce Williams, he went to the portal. He's now going to Oklahoma State. Good for Bryce. He's a great kid. Does this open the door back to Antavian Column? And I'm going to tell you why not. If you didn't believe oh, I like in- what you did there. Yeah. Because you kind of had me, I was like, I like where you're going, but why not? Go ahead, I like it. Because if you believed in Antavian Column enough, you'd have found a way to keep him. And Ole Miss had talked about potentially taking him off a scholarship, getting him to redshirt for a year. That's not true belief in Antavian Column. Let's be real. That's just not. So, Antavian Column, he's done at Ole Miss. Sure, they may still try to do the redshirt thing, but Antavian, he's in the transfer portal. If Bryce Williams can go to Oklahoma State, Antavian can find a spot. He'll be fine. You leave that spot open because, for me, it's more valuable to have five spots recruiting for next year's class than to hope that Antavian Column develops past what he is, which is a rebound first guy, a defender, not going to bring a lot in points. He can maybe do some things around the rim. Sean Robinson has far more upside than Antavian Column of what he could be. And we love to say this. We love to look at the new class that's coming up and say, I want the new guy, the shiny new toy, rather than what you already have. And most of the time, that can be a flawed process. That can be a flawed line of thinking. But with Antavian Column, it's really not. I think he kind of is what he is. He could improve on what he is. He could refine who he is. But I don't think there's a lot of offensive productivity to come out of that kid. And I like Antavian a lot. I've been covering that kid since he was in eighth grade. I've always thought he was a high major basketball player. But for what Ole Miss needs, I think I would rather have the open scholarship. That way I can recruit five players next year. Make no mistake, Blake leaving hurts. But opening that scholarship up, 
I don't know, man. Look at the class coming up in Ole Miss on this Wednesday, if it hadn't already happened as we're recording this, is expected to pick up a commitment from a four-star point guard to Sean Ruffin from Callaway and Jackson. That's what you're looking for. Almost did tremendous work in the transfer portal. Really overhauled their entire roster. Now can you build on it? Because I think he tried to build on it, did Kermit. Austin Crowley was a four-star. Hadim C was the number two Juco player in the country. A lot of accolades. It didn't work. But now you've basically given yourself a do-over. Because you got Romello White to come. you got Domencio Vaughn to come. Now, reset your recruiting. Get guys like Deshaun Ruffin, maybe a couple other four-stars. Give yourself some room. Give me the open scholarship because I think that's got far more upside than Antavian Kyle. I uh, I totally agree. Uh, but that was an interesting – I hadn't even thought about it before you even made the case against it that the possibility of bringing Duke Collin back. But I agree now having thought about it. But at the, And at the same time, uh, kind of the putting a bow on the Kermit side of it and the expectations, you mentioned like it just didn't work a couple of those – immediate impact guys but the kicker here is and double negative but it can't not work twice a couple of these immediate impact guys have to pan out and have to be good and the team has to be way more competitive next year now what does that mean if they aren't probably not a whole lot but just in terms of fan morale and fan support that's fair it has to work out Romello has to work out I would say if you don't make the NCAA tournament this year the fan base that was completely on your side it's going to become much more polarized. Your reality a, is different. It's a weird place to be because at that point, it's kind of like, okay, where exactly is this thing headed? Because I think one thing that they learned from not making the NCAA tournament is that they've got to reevaluate how they recruit. It's a totally different animal recruiting to a team in the SEC. Everybody in the world would take Austin Crowley. It just didn't work out. But Sammy Hunter, they build him as a top 100 player. He just hadn't been seen enough, hadn't been scouted. He did not play like a top 100 player. So I think they're reevaluating some things as far as recruiting is concerned. And I'll tell you this, their hustle is on a totally different level right now. They have upped their hustle on the recruiting trail. They're going after big fish after big fish. 50 no's and a yes means yes, man. And that's how Ole Miss is operating. And do you put any stock to the fact that, one, it takes time to kind of do that, and you have to be a little bit established, and they did have some success the first year. And, two, is it a little bit of a learning process? Because I'm not in the coaching industry, obviously, but it had been a long time since Kermit was at a major power five, for the lack of a better word, program instead of middle. And you talk about recruiting different type of kids and reevaluating. There's got to be a little bit of a learning curve there. I mean, it's not like he didn't play high major teams while at middle, but just night in, night out, what's needed to compete. I imagine there's a little bit of a learning curve there because things have changed since the last time he was the head man of one. He was at Middle Tennessee State for 16 years. Exactly. That's almost two decades. That's a long time. No matter what, you get used to a certain type of recruiting. You get into a little bit of a routine as far as how you recruit and the guys you're looking for. Because you're recruiting to a specific situation. I think Kermit and Ronnie and Wynn, Levi, it's a different environment for them. They had to learn what makes Ole Miss tick, how you recruit to this place, because no place is the same as another. They're all unique. If it's Duke, if it's Ole Miss, if it's Auburn. Bruce Pearl went through it. There is no exact science to recruiting. So while you might have been having all kinds of success in a certain way at Middle Tennessee State, when you come here, it's different. And I think there was some trial and error there. Now, of course, correction happened this offseason, getting the transfers. Romello, Robert Allen, Demencio Vaughn. That's a course correction. And the hustle has changed. The effort has been stepped up even more because I think they feel the urgency too. And Blake was expected to be the first. He was. He was the first big signee for Kermit and them. Remember, he was recruited by... A lot of high major schools, he reclassified. They said, Blake Kinson, he's going to be the first big piece to getting this thing right. And how important was he for Ole Miss getting to the NCAA tournament? His performance against Mississippi State alone. You don't get that win. I don't know if Ole Miss has the resume. I was about to say, that week, that week a home win against Auburn and then going to State was really the week and another win against Auburn. But that week is really what got them into the tournament. That that got them into the tournament. And Blake was responsible not by himself, but the majority of that game can be attributed to Blake Kenson. He was on fire, but he never 
Never bottled that up and got it back. And a lot of that has to do with stuff out of his control, a blood abnormality that initially they were worried was going to end his career. It's just a strange deal, man. It's strange that it happened. There was a little bit of discontent with Blake. Obviously, he'd want more shots. Why wouldn't he? But still, to lose him, that's tough. That's tough if you're Ole Miss. Yeah, it is. And on the recruiting part, you mentioned it, the adaptability. Isn't that the difference between the guys that are good and the guys that suck? Because you mentioned Pearl. Like, you get to a new place and you adapt, but I feel like the guys that fail continue to think their way has worked, so they continue to do it that way. So if you're a fan and, I guess, concerned or whatever, at least you're seeing evidence of adaptability because it seems like the ones that don't work and don't translate continue to do it the way they did at the last place because it worked at the last place, which doesn't actually mean it's going to work at the next place, particularly when it's a a higher-up level. So Blake Henson is apparently in the transfer portal. Bryce Williams is going to Oklahoma State. Dude Collins in the transfer portal. Deshaun Ruffin, potentially now, if you're listening to this at a particular time, an Ole Miss Rebel expected to commit to Ole Miss. It's recruiting. Anything can happen. National basketball recruiting analyst for 247 Sports, Evan Daniels, who I trust more than anybody. He's backing me up here. He's got a nine confidence that Deshaun Ruffin's going to be an Ole Miss Rebel. So when he makes his commitment, should be Ole Miss. We'll see. Brandon Marcello coming up in just a second. I want to touch on something else that happened on Tuesday. Before I do, let me tell you briefly about Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton and Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at brennanchapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. Okay, so on Tuesday, like we mentioned, news after news after news. It's June 16th, and we're getting news after news after news. Mike Bianco, finally, his contract officially extended. What would you think about it? I mean, is there really any other choice? Because he didn't get rolled back last year, and whatever you think of that decision, that's not the point. But with the way they played this year, you're really not going to roll him back again and let him roll into what's left of that contract. To me, this was a no-brainer. I, like, what else are you going to do? Like, to me, this was just a formality. A hundred percent a formality. I still want to see the particulars. I want to see the details. Because I know the sticking point from at least Mike Bianco's side was the buyout. I think that initially in negotiations, I don't have this well-sourced. It's just some stuff I've heard. And y'all paid or listened to know what we heard. I heard that the sticking point was Ole Miss wanted to effectively make the buyout as low as possible. And Mike was like, no, you took your shot last year. This is what we were. You extend me out and give me my buyout. So I want to know what the terms are. I want to know what the buyout is. And trust me, I'm working to find out. I know Rippy is too. But that's the kind of stuff that is so hard to find out because there's no obligation for them to give you that information. Particularly in a sport like baseball as opposed to a gigantic one like football. Like, it's just a lot more difficult. But just completely speculating here as you kind of point, like, on my side at least, do you think there's some sort of, if it's announced like this on this time frame, do you think there's some way it became more palatable on the Ole Miss side? Probably. But, yeah, that news to me was just kind of, uh, yeah, whatever, it's a formality. Real very quick sidebar. You mentioned the Bryce Williams thing before we went to break. Of all the places, why would he pick Oklahoma State with the with the uh, postseason ban? I found that fascinating. Because he can play. Yeah, fair enough. But if you can play at Oklahoma State, can't you play at a place that can go to the tournament? I don't know. Oklahoma State <laughs> needed bodies, and Bryce is going to get playing time. Good for him. It's not about the postseason for Bryce Williams right now. It's about setting himself up for whatever comes next. That's a fair point. 
Um, but yeah, the Mike thing, like back what we were talking about, the Mike thing to me, like, is there really any other option? Like that, that was my takeaway. I didn't really have much of a nuanced take on it. I just figured like, what up, you know, what else are you going to do? The only thing that was interesting to me about the whole deal, because it was going to happen. I, I reported on it. I talked on this podcast about it weeks ago. It was going to happen. They were going to get it done. Keith Carter, I asked him point blank. He said, we're going to extend Mike Bianco. How contentious that buyout negotiation was potentially going to be. Because make no mistake, Mike Bianco was pissed that they didn't roll over his contract. And I've said this before, and I feel like I say a lot of the same stuff over and over and over, but it needs to be hammered home. Half measures don't work. And I'm one of the ones that was in support of what Keith did when he didn't roll over Mike Bianco's contract. But in hindsight, if you start to try to add some context to it, if he's not your guy, you fire him. If he's still your coach, you extend him out. Because you hamstring him if you try to play it down the middle. So I think that's a learning opportunity for Keith. Again, we don't know the particulars. We're working on it. We're hoping to find out. I've got a number of calls in. I had one person say, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to find out. Still hadn't heard back. Not holding my breath. But I say that because I think Keith learned a lesson here. If you don't believe in a guy, make your move. Otherwise, if you go the half measure route, it's going to end up in a weird spot to where neither side is going to get exactly what they want in the relationship. Whether they say you know they're on great terms and all this kind of stuff, there's going to be a little bit of a lingering issue. There's got to be because Mike took and it personally. No and no one's wrong for that. Yeah. I think Keith had the best intentions with what he was doing. He was trying to appease a fan base that was starved. And he was also trying to do right by Mike and keep him. But Mike, he wanted a full show of support or to fire. So I can understand then human nature. Keith was trying to do right. All right. Mike, human nature. You don't roll me over. You don't fire me. What the hell are we doing here? So I would have gone to negotiations too, asking for the moon. And we don't know if he got it or not, but bottom line, he's extended as he should be. It doesn't change the fact that the first time Ole Miss loses in 2021, all the same crap's coming back. The element that gets lost here too is you go back now and you don't remember this because he's the full-time guy, but at that point, Mike, I mean, Keith is weeks after taking over for Ross who kind of left just kind of in the middle of the night almost. I mean, it just shocked a lot of people. So is the interim guy who's been on the job that long going to ax the longest tenured coach at the school? No, and that's why I completely understand the route he took. I probably just would have worn it and extended him out. But here's the thing, though. That's easy for me to say because Keith was vying for the job. He was a candidate. So if he does that, maybe he pisses off some big money guys and they decide, you know what, this isn't the right guy. We don't want him. So I understand completely why he did what he did. But it does create a little bit of a mess. It does. It's the closest thing he could have made to a power move to kind of show a little bit of strength as the interim guy. And now it seems with the extension, uh, it's been rectified. It's just kind of things happen and things were in flux. Like it's, There's no wrong side on any of this. You just got to get to Omaha. Yeah, that's 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 a, that's when everyone becomes right. Yeah, you just got to get to Omaha, and and I'm all for Keith taking big swings. That's my whole deal. When he made that move, he's the interim. You're right. He was trying to thread that needle, and I get it. But once he started to get confidence that he was going to get the job, he started swinging a stick, man. He's firing people. Volleyball coach Mike Smith gets axed. That's a whole different discussion. Lane Kiffin is your head coach of football. He's taking big swings. Look, I've been around Ole Miss football, Ole Miss athletics my entire life. And all I've ever seen from athletics directors is the same thing. They never want to truly take a big, big risk. Here's the deal. If Lane Kiffin completely flames out, Ole Miss fans aren't going to care. They're going to say, Keith, go swing it again. So for the first time in my life, in my 34 years of existence, there's an athletics director, whether you agree with all the moves or not, and I certainly have, and I've talked to Keith about it, but it doesn't matter what I think. Go by your convictions, and that's what Keith's doing, and take big swings. For the first time in my life, you got an athletics director that's just swinging for the fences over and over and over. Stop trying to hit a double. Stop trying to hit a single and just get on base. Swing for the fences, and you're going to whiff. You're going to whiff big time. You went for a double when you tried to not extend Mike Bianco and just kind of thread the needle. 
you whiffed. That's okay. You went and did the Lane Kiffin deal. You went and fired volleyball coach. You fired this guy. That Keep swinging a big stick. You're going to whiff. You're going to piss some people off along the way. But the vast majority of Ole Miss fans, every time one of these big swings don't pan out, are going to say, Keith, cool, go do it again. Because the same old, same old shit with Ole Miss has got to stop forever. Trying to do that whole thing of appeasing everybody, be done. And it's okay to pander to the fans a little bit. That's okay. And that type of attitude and mindset is a hell of a lot more pa- – I mean, it's the right one to have because you mentioned what has the other way gotten you? A lot of dysfunction, but going through what you went through with the football program and all of that the previous half decade, I just imagine as an Ole Miss fan that type of mindset, and it kind of manifested itself in the reaction to the Kiffin thing, is a hell of a lot more appetizing than the former. I could have hired Hugh Freeze, Okay. You didn't need Archie Manning. You didn't need Mike Glenn to hire Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze wanted the job. Anybody could have hired him. It worked out, and Archie and Mike got praise, as they should have. But anybody could have made that hire. Matt Luke, Ross Bjork, same deal. Anybody could have hired Matt Luke. Keith Carter went for Lane Kiffin. And whether it works or not is irrelevant. I like big swings. I like having some balls about you. Go make a big play over and over and over again. And even if the track record at the end of the day ain't that pretty, it doesn't matter. You took a shot. And that's pretty much what life is, isn't it? You take big shots. You're going to fall and face plant more times than not. But the times it's successful, that's what makes life worth living, man. And Keith's doing that whole, like, you only live once kind of deal. It's a YOLO <laughs> AD ship right now. Uh, on the With regards to YOLO, I would love to go back to 2016, just with regard, regards to life in general. Uh, <laughs> and when that when that term was making its rounds, I haven't heard that one in quite a while. Yeah, yeah I mean, I agree. It's the way, uh, I mean, and with, like, I guess Hugh Freeze is the best example of it. But with how much money these schools have now, particularly as it pertains to football, what do you lose by taking big swings? The odds of some guy doing irreparable damage to your program for the better part of a decade or a half decade is very small. You can rectify it because of all the money. Like, I mean, how many schools are paying absurd amounts of buyouts? It's kind of the norm now. Exactly. So what, what do you have to lose on taking big swings? You exactly. can wipe it away if it sucks pretty quickly, unless you hire Hugh, Hugh Freeze. But it wasn't, it wasn't just him. It was the way the case was handled. I got all that. But that's just kind of a simple way of putting it. Like Ross Bjork, you were convicted to fire Hugh Freeze in 2016. He just won a sugar Do ball. It. Do it. Sure, people are going to be pissed. Of course they're going to be. They're going to call for your head. Swing big, man. If you felt like it was time to get rid of Hugh Freeze, get rid of Hugh Freeze. You'd have made a good hire from somebody else. And the NCAA stuff might not have been as harsh. You brought up a, just a fascinating point there. Because you talk about if you're convicted after 2016, and it's easy to armchair quarterback. I'm not, like, indicting Ross for this. But in hindsight, if you do it at 16, your your pool of candidates is much different. And the way your program is viewed from a talent pool, from the sanctions and scholarships that you were not yet up against, is a hell of a lot different than in 2017 because that candidate pool was not great. Not many people wanted that job. But if you do it in 16, the odds of hiring a more competent replacement would have gone up exponentially. Do I blame him for not thinking that way in the moment? No, because hindsight is 2020. But looking back at it, that's probably true. Swing big. You're going to face plant. Who cares? Go do it again. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippey at BS Rippey. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Going to go now to the Modern Women phone line to talk all about SEC football with Brandon Marcello, National College Football Analyst for 247 Sports. Buddy of mine, friend of the pod. But before we get to him, let's hear from Modern Women and BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. 
And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line. It's my buddy. National College Football Reporter for 247 Sports. It's Brandon Marcello. Hey, buddy, what's up? Not much. How you doing, Ben? I'm good, man. How you holding up in quarantine? Good, man. We had a move in the height of it earlier this summer, which was a adventure, but everything's good, man. We're all healthy. That's all you can ask for. How did you do that? How did you manage moving? <laughs> well, um, long story short, I managed to get a hold of one like medical grade like mask and I gave that to my wife so she could uh travel with my son, our almost two year old son. And uh I just kinda handled everything with the moving and everything and they, they traveled up and didn't have to deal with people and all that. So luckily it worked out. Well, I'm glad you're up there in Arkansas and safe. Um, and congratulations on the new gig. Obviously, you're from Mississippi as far as you used to be a Clarion-Ledger guy. And now look at you, National College Football Reporter for 247 Sports, doing a great job. And you came out recently with a story that caught the eye of not just me, but pretty much everybody on those 247 message boards throughout the network, and that's the projected order of finish of the SEC. Before we jump into it, is there a team that's the class of the SEC this year? Yeah, it's going to be Bama. Bama's, I think Bama's going to whip up on people this year. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a revenge tour for Nick Saban and his crew. Um, you know, last year they were just dealt with a lot of injuries on, on defense, particularly at linebacker and the defensive line. And, you know, they're coming back this year. Uh, you got Najee Harris back. You've got two tremendous receivers back and Devontae Smith and Jalen Odell. Um, I think Mac Jones is going to be a tremendous quarterback and, they're deeper than everybody else in the SEC this year. I, I think they're going to beat up on people this year. So if Alabama's the clear-cut number one, who's number two? I had a difficult time projecting that. I ended up going, um, or at least in the West, with Auburn. But I think the second-best team overall in the SEC is going to be Florida or Georgia. And I'm giving Florida the slight edge. Just because of the experience at quarterback, I think Kyle Trask is a better quarterback than Jamie Newman at Georgia. Newman put up tremendous numbers at Wake Forest, but if you dive into those numbers before he transferred to Georgia, he only completed like 53 to 54% of his passes against teams with winning records, and he threw almost as many interceptions as he did touchdowns during that time in those games against teams with winning records. And that's ACC teams with the winning records and even the winning record teams in the ACC weren't very good last year. And yes, I've heard it, you know, Wake Forest doesn't have the type of talent that Georgia's going to have a receiver and all that. I hear you, but I'm just not totally sold on Jamie Newman coming in immediately in the SEC and being successful. Kyle Trask has been through the fire. He's knocked off top 15 teams already in the SEC. And I think Florida is going to get it done this year. They're going to knock off Georgia, and I think they're going to end up being in the SEC championship game to face Alabama. You just can't get away from Dan Mullen, Brandon. Well, listen, man, he's a he's a hell of a coach. I mean, I think he's the 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 top 
offensive-minded head coach in the country is Lincoln Riley at OU. Dan Mullen might be number two right now, uh, which is saying a lot. Because, I, I mean, I, he listen, I was there when he turned a tight end, but, you know, Chris Ralph, into a nine-win quarterback. Um, he brought in Dak Prescott, who was like a two-star, then a three-star guy, out of LSU country, brought him to Mississippi State and turned him into a Heisman contender. Um, and what he's doing at Florida is pretty remarkable considering he had Felipe Franks. He gets injured. They're bringing Kyle Trask. He's a former two- or three-star guy. He ends up winning double-digit games with him uh, for a second straight year. I, I, I think Dan Mullen's got the magic touch when it comes to quarterbacks. The only knock on him is that his staffs have not been elite recruiters. They've been above average. And at Florida, they've got to do a little bit of a better job if they want to keep up with Georgia um, going forward. But I think this year the window's open for them to beat them on the field. But going forward, they've got to do a better job recruiting. Otherwise, Georgia's going to return to beating them You know, two out of every three years or three out of every four years. So what's your favorite Dan Mullen story that you tell from your days back on the state beat? <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite. I mean, I, we had some run-ins. We butted heads a couple times. He was fair to me, though, which I, which I uh, you know, uh, liked about him. Um, he did try to get my credentials revoked at one point <laughs> when he got heated about something once behind my back. I had no idea about it until I got a call from uh, – the athletics director telling me, yeah, um, he wants to take your credentials away. And I told him we're not doing that. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um, there were times when he got upset about us asking for injury information. even, And he said, I'm not talking about that. You guys know it, even though he was talking about it two days earlier. So we thought it was open. And then we, we just had to come to an understanding. I remember we just – everything always came down to if he was upset about something, we'd all sit down and just have an understanding of it. And then everything blew over. Um, but Dan is a very, uh, I want to say emotional guy, but he's a fiery guy and he believes what he believes and, um, always respected him for kind of saying what was on his mind. Um, and you know, being controversial at times, but being willing to stand behind what he said, that was always made for an interesting, uh, day and week and, and months you know, uh, when you're writing stories about Mississippi State, and especially in those early days when he's there, when he was there and they started getting successful, that was uh, pretty exciting. Well, you mentioned that Alabama's the class of the SEC this year, but if there's one team that's not Florida, that's not Georgia, that could be a sleeper, trendy pick to maybe, yeah. I don't know, contend, who would it be? Ooh. Um, you know, everybody says Texas A&M. I don't see it. In fact, I got them fourth in the West. Um, I don't think it's LSU because they lose so much. We all know that. They lose 14 NFL draft picks, a record. But they, lo- they lost more than that than just 14 players in the NFL. I think Auburn could potentially be a team that contends, but their schedule's too tough to actually win the West. I mean, they have to go to Alabama where they're, at, they're losing by an average of three touchdowns on, in the Gus Malzahn era in Tuscaloosa. They have to go to Georgia where they've yet to win. Uh, under Gus Malzahn, um, but they're going to be talented, especially offensively with Bo Nix returning. Defense, I, I I don't know. I think they'll be a little bit above average. They lose some really good players there, but they've got the experience of quarterback. They've got the experience on offense, and I think that'll give them an opportunity to compete for that number two spot in the West. But I, to me, the top like three teams in the SEC is it, going to be above well above, you know, per, pretty much the rest of the conference, in my opinion. I think Alabama is going to be great. And then now it's a matter of, is there a team that's border, borderline good to great? And maybe that's Auburn. Maybe that's LSU. Maybe it's A&M, but I think A&M is on the lower end of that scale. And then beyond that, I think it's a bunch of teams that are going to beat up on each other. And there might be some upsets. Uh, here and there because of one some first year coaches but also some changes being made at other schools well Lane Kiffin's hired at Ole Miss and obviously that created some waves so what did you think first and foremost when you heard Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss you've been around here you know how this job is and it's an interesting fit if nothing else I think 
Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great hire. I mean, a lot, everybody kind of expected that to happen. And um, I, I think what he's going to do at Ole Miss, and you know better than me, but, you know, Ole Miss's running game was, was pretty dang good last year. Passing game, not so much. I think what he's going to do is he's going to immediately elevate the passing game there to go along with the running game. And I think that offense is going to get cranked up a little bit this season. And they're going to be able to win some games and maybe be in some of those games against the good to great teams um, and maybe, you know, get to bowl eligibility. Um, I, I really like John Reese Plumley, And you, you tell me what's going on there at quarterback because obviously we haven't had any practices or anything like that yet. But I really like Plumley. I, I think he's a future superstar in the SEC if they can be more consistent throwing the ball. But I, I think he's got some really good pieces to work with there. He's just got to, you know, kind of feed those – receivers and get their confidence going a little bit see that's the thing and i've had this conversation on this podcast multiple times at this point i think locally people are far less high on john rice Plumley than nationally because nationally i mean obviously almost fans are in it every day and part of being a fan and being a media member is picking apart the team that you cover but from a national perspective they just see him making plays and if you believe that matt luke is a far less offensive mind, Rich Rodgers a far less offensive mind than Lane Kiffin, and certainly far lesser quarterback developers than Lane Kiffin, then stands to reason that raw talent, you take that running capability and Lane Kiffin's ability to develop quarterbacks, you got a potential superstar. I'm kind of with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it. I can see it happening. Um, you know, you're exactly right about what Lane Kiffin's been able to do with other quarterbacks, including Blake Sims, but you know, to me, you know, Rich Rod has always been that type of guy that just kind of everybody assumes that like they throw the ball a lot or whatever. But it's it's more his is more about splitting you up, running the ball, and that's about it. Lane Kiffin can balance it all out, and with the talent Ole Miss has, I'm I was so surprised that Rodriguez wasn't able to better utilize it last season. They were so one dimensional that it was it was ridiculous. Uh, to me uh, and watching them is so predictable in a lot of ways. And what you needed was a superstar to kind of break out of that, to be able to overcome some of the limitations of the offense. And when I watched Plumlee play, I, I thought he kind of, you saw the glimpses of that. And, and in the Lane Kiffin system, I think he could not only excel, but here, you know, be a guy that by the end of the year, everybody's going, watch out for this guy. You got him fifth in the SEC West. That means bowl eligibility. Almost hasn't been to a bowl since 2016. What else do you like about Ole Miss as far as trying to upset some teams? What makes them potentially intriguing to you? Well, to me, I think it's just the Lane Kiffin factor of how he's going to kind of revitalize, I, I guess you would say, maybe the confidence among the fan base and then also with the players. I, I think, you know, it, what's detrimental, obviously for all teams, was not having spring practices or full spring practices, but especially for these first-year coaches in doing so and trying to install their new systems and also get familiar with their with their teams. But I think that with Ole Miss, they've got to get those receivers going a little bit. Elijah, guys like Elijah Moore. I mean, he's got the potential to be really, really good. It's just the passing offense was terrible last season, and I, I think that they're they were better than a four win team last year if they had some better coaching going on. And I think Lane Kiffin's simply going to provide that. And like I said, I think the key for them is confidence within the team, but also more than anything, you build up a receiver's confidence by actually throwing the ball and get them more involved. And if they do that and spread the ball around. Ole Miss has the pieces to be able to do that and be able to put up some big points on the board this season. It looks like the coaching carousel, as far as the SEC is concerned, isn't all that clear. I guess Will Muschamp, maybe, Gus Malzahn, Derek Mason surviving everything. I mean, what what do you think about the coaching hot seats? <laughs> yeah, I think Gus Malzahn's safe for another year or two um, just because he beat Alabama last year. I don't think it matters what happens this year unless they have a total meltdown like uh, Gene Chizik did. Um, but Will Muschamp, I think, is number one on that hot seat. And Derek Mason, I, I think he's there, too, just because, you know, ever since winning six games one year, had, they haven't done anything and during his tenure. Um, and I know it's Vanderbilt, but James Franklin certainly set the bar there. 
But what is going to be interesting, not just in the SEC, but across the country, is how do athletic directors react during this time of the coronavirus when, you know, we don't know what ticket sales are going to look like. We don't know how much money all these athletic departments are going to lose. They're going to lose money, but how much? Can they really afford to make a big firing and then try to make a hiring right now if they're about whether to do it or not. If they're on the fence about this stuff, they're not going to make the move this year. You're not going to see the type of moves that teams would usually make in, in past seasons. And I say that people go, well, how do you know that? Just because things are the way they are now or whatever. Well, money is taking a hit, as I said. But just look to this past basketball season. When the basketball season ended, it, it took like a month or two before we actually had our first power five coaching change. And that was at wake forest. And then after that, it was quiet again. There, there weren't any big changes and there weren't any changes on the power five level because they didn't want to have to go out and spend all that money with an uncertain financial future. And that's going to still be the case. Uh, it is today. And it's going to be the case in December when these type of decisions have to be made. And I think a lot of coaches who would usually be fired are probably going to be safe for another year until they start getting those finances back in order and they have a steady revenue stream in, in some of these areas like ticket sales. We'll get right back to Brandon Marcello, college football national reporter for 247 Sports, after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now, I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. You talk to college administrators across the country in college football, all the decision makers, let's just put it that way. So where are we right now, do you think, as far as the season, full capacity stadiums, all that stuff? Well, I think we're going to have a season. Um, What's it look like? I, I don't know. No one knows. There's a lot of contingency plans being discussed practically every day by the Autonomy Five, the Power Five uh, conference commissioners and their group settings. Um, I think everybody believes they're going to be able to start on time. I don't know if that's going to happen because we have no way of predicting if a team's going to have an outbreak. I mean, I talked to one infectious disease expert actually yesterday about all this and his belief is is like what's the threshold what what's the threshold for a team and infection rate where you go hey we can't play a game this week he believes it's like 15 to 20 percent of the roster and that's not necessarily people that are infected those are people that are infected but we're all and then also people who were exposed 
and might be in that incubation period where they don't have a positive test for two to three days. So you have to you have to keep them quarantined or whatever, while also isolating the infected people. And that could add up. I mean, you could have two guys that get sick and they were in contact with 12 other teammates at practice, and then they have to sit all of them out that week and potentially miss up to two games because they have to stay isolated for at least 10 days through all this testing and everything. So I think what you're going to see is a football season that's maybe a little topsy-turvy um, where you don't play a full season or you have to cancel a game here or there or reschedule a game or you end up scheduling a different team than you were going to play at the last minute. I think that's all possible. I think, you know, the Pac-12 is preparing for that. I know they are uh, from talking to folks out there. Not so clear about the SEC, but until protocols change, the protocols are the protocols right now. If someone is infected, they treat it all the same. And I've written about this. They treat it all the same. If you're infected, you cannot be around anybody else and you cannot play. You may not be sick. You may be asymptomatic, but you cannot be around anybody. And that's how it's going to be. If they somehow change that and just say, hey, it's the Wild West, we're going to treat it like it's the flu or whatever, or the cold, and if you're sick, you know, go away or whatever, but we're not going to pull everybody out, then it's, it is what it's going to be. It's, everybody's going to have to abide by these protocols, and what that's going to do is there's just – I just don't see there's how there's any way where we play a full football season at, in the country by following those same protocols. And those protocols are not going to be loosened until – you know, there's at least a therapeutic treatment, which uh, we'll see if that happens and how, you know, uh, effective that is. But, you know, uh, at the, in the long run, a vaccine of some sort, but that's not coming this year. That's going to be at least another year away. See, and that's the thing. It's not a panic-inducing thing, or it's not trying to be alarmist to tell you what's happening about what these administrators are considering, because from just a normal person perspective, you look at it and say, oh, well, it doesn't affect me. To Well, you're not thinking in, or taking into account what all of these college administrators are actually thinking about as far as risk. They can't accept the idea of someone coming into contact or if you're in the Grove, for example, on a Saturday, and while you might have signed a waiver that said, okay, um, I'm not going to sue you, Ole Miss is taking on all the risk if you show up and then you get COVID and then you turn around and say, you know what, I am going to sue Ole Miss and try to get away with it. It's just stuff like that. It's all of these underlying factors with this, not to mention just the fact of trying to get kids on the field and playing games. And in the summer, this is what it's for, right? To get the testing yeah, yeah. done, to put the protocols in place, to see how it works. And I, I think one thing that's kind of bugged me, because for me, I'm on the side of, let's do everything we can to get sports back more than anything outside of what we all should care about, and that's the health of the general populace. But uh, the one thing that's been sticking out to me is all the stories that say, well, Ole Miss had 12, or um, Houston had this huge outbreak. and That's what's supposed to be happening right now. That's what you need to have happen right now, because you have to be able to respond to it, because we're all trying to figure out or at least not us, but the people that are making the decisions, how you're going to handle it or where you're going to be come August. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, I wrote a column, you know, earlier this week on all of this that, you know, listen, this isn't about, I'm not sure, this isn't a discussion about, you know, infringing on your freedoms and your rights and, hey, it only affects people who are a certain age. You know, if you're asymptomatic, you're fine. Even if you are symptomatic and you're that age, they're going to be fine and everything. That's not the issue here. The issue here is that if these anybody gets sick in the football program, you risk the potential of not only not being able to play a game, but potentially shortening the season or canceling it altogether. It doesn't matter how sick the person is. This is a novel virus. There's a reason why people are treating it as seriously as they are, because one, they don't know how sick people can get. Secondly, it's proven that it's deadlier than the flu, statistically, as we've seen so far. But also, we are not clear on the long-term effects of this virus, this disease, has on people, and that includes asymptomatic people, people who don't show anything. But is it damaging their organs or anything like that? That's stuff that's still being studied right now. So this isn't like with the flu where you know what, what happens with it, and so you continue on with your life afterward. This is a novel virus. It's a new virus. We don't know yet 
the long-term effects of it. We don't know why certain people get sicker than others. We don't know why certain people don't get sick. So the whole purpose of the quarantining and all this stuff is to kind of mitigate the one, the fallout of you being a spreader or even a super spreader to where you get someone sick outside of everything and they get sicker than say you were. But also my whole, my whole argument and it's as simple as this. If you guys want to see football this upcoming season, and I'm not talking about sitting in the stands, because guess what? You're most likely not going to be able to sit in the stands if you're listening to this. There, there's only going to be a small percentage of people in the stands. But if you want to even be able to watch it on TV, you better wear a mask whenever you go outside. Because if you don't, this thing's going to keep spreading. And you might sit there and go, well, that's not actually, this mask is not protecting me really. Well, here's the thing. If you wear a mask and I wear a mask and we're in the same room shopping or walking around, we're reducing our chances of being infected by about 75% according to studies. That's a hell of a lot better than not wearing a mask. If we can do that and everybody does that when they're out and about, it's going to slow the spread of this. And it's going to reduce the risk of football players catching this virus and spreading it among their teammates because the problem is that so many people are asymptomatic with it, but we're, we're treating it the same as those who are symptomatic. They're having to sit out. So two football players should go out to the grocery store because guess what, guys? Football players aren't just living on campus in their rooms. They don't go to practice and then come back to their dorm room. They're interacting with people. They have to go to the grocery store and shop, shop for stuff. They have to buy laundry detergent and everything like every student. And they're doing that, and if they catch it from someone because they think it's silly or wimpy to wear a mask, then they catch it, even if they are wearing a mask, because the other person wasn't, then they go and spread it, and all of a sudden, guess what? Within a span of about three or four days, that guy goes from being healthy to asymptomatic to spreading it to about 15 other teammates, and then that university goes, uh, we can't play Ole Miss this week. We have too many infected players, and we don't want to risk it. And also Ole Miss told us, hey, we don't want to play against your team because you had an, a small outbreak this week. We have no idea who else might be infected right now, and, it's, and you haven't been able to test or anything. So it, it, it bothers me that people are just like, oh, no, I don't need to wear a mask. You know, what's the point of wearing a mask? It's, it's so simple to me why you should wear a mask when you're out in public. It, 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 it almost like I almost get tired like trying to explain it to people um it's almost like difficult to put it in words because i think it because it's so simple but it seems like everybody's making it so complex my whole deal is very simple if you think that wearing a mask doesn't really do much of anything if it's not a real true preventative measure and i've had that conversation with family members my point to them is okay that's fine but we don't know anything about this virus and everybody on both sides of this now are trying to politicize this thing the basic thing we can do, just wear a mask for the hell yeah. of it, even if you don't believe in it. Because at the end of the day, if you decide that I just want sports back, and that's where I am on it, wear a mask whether you believe in it or not if you really want to have sports backs. Because all these decision makers, they're basing it on the very basic measures such as wearing a mask. And if you want to go to Vault Hemingway Stadium in the fall, if there are fans that are allowed to go into the stadium, you're going to be required to wear a mask. It doesn't matter if you want yeah. to or not. I don't want to wear a mask. I feel stupid wearing a mask too, but I wear it everywhere I go because I don't care. I'm just doing anything I can. The small bit of part I can do to get the one thing back that I got to have back, and that's sports. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's like if people want things to go back to normal, but you can't jump in the pool in the middle of winter and think it's summer. That's how some people are treating this thing. It's like, well, I can just go out and go do things and not wear a mask because I don't, I don't want to do that. And it's yeah, fine. And, and if a mask know. doesn't do anything, who cares? At least you can try it. Do one small little bit of part. And if it didn't work at the yeah, end of the day yeah. and it didn't work, you can say, you know what, that was dumb. But guess what? It's not that much of a sacrifice. It's barely even a sacrifice. Well, it's the one thing you can control. It's the one thing you could do easily. And you could still go about your day and be quote unquote normal. You just have to wear a stupid mask. And what you know? What bothers me is I'll go. I, I go out to places or whatever. Like I went to Home Depot uh, this past weekend to get some stuff to treat my lawn, and I just started counting people because I thought, like, man, there's a lot of people in here not wearing masks or whatever. Workers weren't wearing masks. Nothing. 
it, it, it freaked me out. And I was getting looks like I, I, like I was stupid for wearing a mask. You know what I mean? You get those like looks like that guy's wearing a mask. What's wrong with him or what? It's like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Whether you think it makes, like if it, if it helps prevent people from getting sick or not, who cares? I just had a coworker well, almost yeah. die of it. It's a very basic thing yeah, to yeah. do. It is not a political issue. Let's just all make a single bit of sacrifice so that you can have football in the fall. I wanted to ask you about something real quick before we get out of here. Florida passed legislation that allows for players to make or to be compensated okay. for their names and likenesses and images. What do you think about that in the long-term effects that could have moving forward with other schools and potentially threatening the NCAA? We hear it all the time, but I mean, heck, this seems pretty real. Yeah, you know, California's discussed it too, but Florida's the first to kind of sign off on it. I think what you're going to end up seeing, and at least with the Power Five conferences that have brought this up to conference to the uh, Congress, excuse me, and then also the NCAA starting to get involved, they're wanting to see federal regulations that makes this a federal law, so it's not state by state and differs. Um, and that's kind of what the Power Five's worried about. They want to as much as they can with this uh, level playing field for name, image, and likeness. Um, I think in the end, there will be some type of federal guidelines that's, that over supersedes anything that's state by state. But obviously, you know, states like Florida and California are what sparked this conversation. And now we're getting to the point where they're moving forward with their stuff. But in the end, it's really not going to matter. I think that the, the feds are going to bring about a uh, sweeping change across the country before um, you know, uh, they, they put these rules in place in the NCAA here, I, I'm guessing here in about a year or even less than a year. I think the feds will have something in place and they'll pass it. And um, So in a way, what Florida is doing right now, as far as the legalities of it, is not going to mean much here in six months because the feds are going to supersede that. And um, one way or another, players are going to be able to start making money finally off their own name and their image. And um it's finally coming. It's here. So when do we get an NCAA football back? I think that's a few years away. And my, oh. Until there is some sort of um, players association of some sort that can represent the players and negotiate, which is going to be so difficult to do because, it's one, obviously it's more players than, say, the NFLPA has. You're talking about Division One guys, maybe some FCS guys, if they put FCS teams on there, um, group of five schools. You know, what's the payout look like for players? Um, that's that's a lot of red tape to go through. So I think first step is passing this name, image, likeness thing on the federal level, then in the, in the NCAA, and then someone being able to organize an actual like player association type situation. Heck, it might be a, it might be a thing where just the Power Five has their own player association, the Group of Five has a different one. And so maybe instantly football in the future, it's only 65 teams instead of the full gamut of everybody in the group of five. I, I don't know, but I, I think we're several, several years away, if not like more, maybe five plus years away from that actually happening. He's Brandon Marcello, National College Football Reporter for 247 Sports, at Marcello on Twitter. My friend, thanks for doing this, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. All right, man. See you, Ben. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.